Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved Heavenly Father, without you, there is no reason to gather here tonight. The songs we sing would just be talented voices. But instead, it is a time to glorify our Father, our King, our friend, and our Savior. Every single soul that is gathered here tonight was made by you, created by you, and loved by you. We did not a single thing to deserve this love, to deserve this grace. It is because you are God and you are love that we are loved. So we acknowledge your sovereignty in all things. We praise you that in this season, we can celebrate the birth of our Savior. That we can gather here tonight to sing, to study your word, and to know that every single word we read was breathed out by you. That it was meant to touch us, to move us, and to glorify you. We confess, Father, that it has been too long since we gathered here in your name. We confess that we have fallen short of your glory. And we confess that we needed to be reconciled to you. But we have a hope. We have a Savior that not only reconciled us through his blood on the cross, through a crown of thorns, but instead has brought us peace, has brought us hope, that we can gather here as people who have fallen short of your glory and yet there is no need to be shameful in front of you. That we can be confident in knowing that when you look at us, Father, you see your son, you see his blood on the cross and you see us white as snow, clean souls before you, Father. So we thank you for this grace. We thank you for this mercy. We thank you for the talent that you have blessed this church with from preachers and teachers to deacons to ministers to worship worshipers and fellowshippers so as we stand before you tonight we know that your spirit is among us that your spirit is moving from the youngest keiki to the most seasoned kukuna we pray We pray that you and you alone would be the focus of our thoughts. That your son on the cross, dying for us and rising again, conquering death, that we would believe this truth and know it. And if there's any soul in here who does not know of your story, who does not fully believe in your truth, we pray that in only the way that you can, you would move them. That you would transform each and every single soul in here tonight. That we would not leave this place as the same people that we came in. That instead, we would be renewed and transformed. That your spirit would guard our hearts, guard our minds, and guard our souls. So we ask that as we learn to pray, you would move in us to pray all the more in each and every single situation by prayer and petition we would lift all things to you in your sovereignty you are the only name worth praying to and that we know you are listening you are faithful to hear us to love us and to redeem us so in your son jesus christ holy and precious name we pray
Amen. We have a few announcements today. Um, it's so good to see all of you after these weeks. Uh, the first announcement is there's a new episode on the Family Talk podcast that was uploaded today. Uh, this episode features Uncle Jason. Shout out to Uncle Jason. Um, he speaks on his 37 years as a Christian and covers some amazing topics from ministering to others. And he expounds on the verse Philippians 4.13. So please check that out on Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Feel free to check that out. Um, next, we have prayer meeting on Sundays at 5 o'clock in the fellowship hall. Please do come and join us to Pule uh, for each other, for the church, and for this community. So Sundays at 5. Uh, next, we have some Christmas festivities going on. On Sunday, December 11th, there's going to be a Christmas cantata at Olivet Baptist Church. That's downtown um, at 6 p.m. So Sunday, December 11th at 6 p.m. And different churches are coming together to sing Christmas songs and Christmas carols that they've been practicing for a few months, I believe. So feel free to join them on Sunday, December 11th. Next, there's a Christmas trolley ride on Monday, December 12th. There's rides at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. And the Dwarf Ohana is coordinating. So please let Christy know if you're interested. RSVPs are limited and necessary. So please do let her know so she can save you a spot. Next, there's a bowling night. So the bowling night was recently postponed just due to availability of the reservation. So bowling is going to be on Friday, December 23rd at 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at IAEA Bowl. Again, Friday, December 23rd for the bowling night. Feel free to sign up on the sign-up sheet here or let Kaleo know so you can make sure he has a solid headcount for that day. Uh, lastly, there's going to be a light meal after service tonight. Kaleo, Michael, and the crew are making spaghetti and meatballs. So after service, please hang out, dine with us. We'd love to fellowship with each other. Mahalo. Aloha, ahi, ahi. It's good to be back. Um, every Wednesday getting our soul food. It's good to be back. Okay. Um, tonight's reading coming from Psalms chapter 27. Psalms 27 verse 1. The Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have, have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his, te in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in a day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up, up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do, turn not your servant away in anger, or you, or you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's continue in prayer right now. Pray with me, please. Father, as we have heard your word sung, as we have heard your word read, and now as we hear your word preached and taught, there is a great battle going on in the room. And it always has been since the garden. There is a war for our attention. There is a war for our soul. There's distractions inwardly and outwardly. 
open our eyes to see what's happening spiritually right now. I thank you so much for the faith that is being exercised in attendance and gathering. And right now, even in prayer, we pray, oh God, that you would take this text and put it where it belongs. We pray that in a season of such busyness where the world kind of hypes it up to a place where we feel like we need to do more or um, get going and run, run, run. We pray that you teach us how to stop, to learn the art of being still. Father, of all the things the disciples asked for you to teach them that was recorded in scripture, it said, Lord, teach us to pray. So God in heaven, Holy Spirit, we beg for you right now to bless and keep us, keep our attention, and keep our attention on the word. Let it come to life. Do a supernatural, miraculous thing this, this evening and allowing us to engage with God. Prayer is a miracle if it's really happening. Help us to see that. As was prayed earlier, it has been a little bit. And as I just am seeing here tonight, looking around, hearing everyone sing, and it's just a joy to be back in the house of the Lord together. And so help us all to drink this and live in this moment. For right now, all we have is right now. So lead us, guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, man, yeah, it's been a good bit, but it's good to be back in it. Um, typically, regularly, all throughout the years, we've always, if you've known this, we've been just kind of expositing through books, and we're going to keep doing that. This is one of the rare moments um, in the history of our midweek gatherings where we're going to do a topical teaching, and topical in that we're just going to hone in for about a month on one particular theme and subject. One of the things we normally do together, if this is your first or second time joining us, is we look at the text and then we observe it for a few minutes together and we chew on it like that and then I, and then I teach it, right? And I open it up. So tonight, because it's the first time and because it is topical, um, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna put that aside. I really wanna hear your guys' observations. We'll pick that up probably next week as we get going. But because it's the first night, and we're starting a new series. Um, I'm just going to use that observation time to do a little bit of an introduction as to what we're doing, what boat you just hopped on, where we're sailing to, and my hope, my burden, and, my, and I pray that it would be our burden and our prayer for those of you who participate in this series called The Poetry of Prayer. Um, my big burden is that, one, it, there's a reason why it's called poetry. Um, poetry is a literary express literary expressions plural of the affections all right and 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 i put that there on, on purpose because what we're going to be in in psalms and then when we get over to lamentations this this sermon series it's kind of like a primer and a preface to lamentations it's going to kind of get us in the groove because we've been in narrative for a good while two years now we're hopping into a genre that's totally different it's music it's art. It's poetry. So, so we got to take our time and approach this text, this book, the Psalms, and then Lamentations, the way in which it was written. And so it's poetry. Um, I love that God made art. I love that God made poetry. I love that God made music and songs we just sang. There's something about art that is, there's a creativeness about it, and there's a variety of it. Okay, and so it's called the series that you're in tonight, and, and I pray you stay throughout the month, the poetry of prayer. Um, what I hope to draw out of that is that there is a variety of ways in which we are to pray. A variety. You know, prayer is one of those crazy things. The more you think about it, like it's communing with God. It's, it's spending time with God. Now, I know that that doesn't really strike anyone just yet because it's so heard so much but uh raise your hands if you're watching a uh, world cup yeah just like me i'm not <laughs> but oh uh, anyway i was i was kind of curious but i started to try to watch it again and i don't know if you you know you guys know who cristiano ronaldo is okay okay yeah you don't even need to watch world cup you kind of know who that is but anyway if i told you this morning i had some quality time with cristiano ronaldo kicking around there would be a little bit of an off factor there right or if i told you oh this morning you know i was on the phone with the president for a good bit there'd be like a whoa to it right well, maybe no for some people. 
But, but think about it now. And I think an atheist friend of mine helped me actually bring this to light much better. But think about it now. If I told you, and I'll tell you the truth, that this morning I spent quality time communing with God. Like God. I was spending time with God. I was spending time with God. I spent lots of time with God. The reason why I say an atheist friend brought that out more for me was because I was eating dinner and there was me, a brother, this is years ago, and then there was this atheist uh, friend of ours and we're talking with him. And so he goes, okay, wait, so you guys pray. Tell me about that. What's that like? Like you actually go into the presence of God. And so we went in a circle. And, and, you know, for me and my brothers, we were like, that took us. It was like, he's seeing it a little bit more accurately than I think a lot of professed believers see this thing called prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. And there's a variety of them. If I were to ask you, of all the relationships you guys have, I would dare to believe, you know, you can go from stranger, that's a relationship you just met, or an acquaintance, to a, um, a friend, a buddy, to a close friend, to a family member, to a spouse. That's a variety of relationships, but I bet you the one that is most intimate is the one that has shared in, the, shared in moments of life with you where they commune, they, they, they communicated with you, they, they, they spoke with you. They've seen you in your worst moments and your best moments and everything in between. They've seen you when you're fussy. They've seen you when you're stoked. They've seen you when you're blah. They've spent time with you when you were in cloud nine. I guarantee the most intimate relationships you have are the people that you have connected and communed with on all those various levels of communication, right? Think about it. My best friend, my wife, has seen me in and through it all. She knows what Chris is like when Chris is about to be like this. She, she can just look at me and she got it. Guys, for the Christian, for the believer, prayer is meant to be a place where you and I and express ourselves and be with God in all the wide range and varieties of life. I could easily stretch this series on for the rest, but for a year. And we're going to try and just do four. Because there's so many ways. I wonder if in this place, the, the only prayer you know is a prayer of thanks. Not that that's a bad prayer. But all you know is to pray for your food and say, thank you, Jesus. It's not a bad prayer. But it's one of. Maybe in this place, the only prayer language you know is help. That's not a bad prayer. But, but that's all you've ever tasted. There's a book I read at night with my son, and he, it's become top three of his favorite, and it's called Anytime, Anyplace, Any Prayer. Real simple read. I was going to bring it tonight, but the book's real small. So if I tried to read it to you guys, you'd be like, yeah. But, you know, in the, the heart of the book is this, anytime, any place. But then I love that it brings this out, any prayer. And it, and it gives, like, there's a time you could say thank you. There's a time to say, I could say sorry. I'm sad. I'm mad. I'm, there's all, there's a variety, a variety. So my big burden is this, perhaps tonight, one of the reasons in which why, if you're honest, point blank honest with God, for you, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to your prayer life, when it comes to communion with God, if you're really honest for some of us, maybe for many of us, it's boring. It can't keep you very long. It's why we don't run to the place of prayer. It's why it's, 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 it's not a shocker that we wouldn't be a people who would tarry through the night all day and all night in prayer. And I speak that to myself. But I wonder if it's because we have yet to taste and tap into the grand variety of ways in which we can go to God. Tonight, we'll look at one way, one way, but my big prayer and hope is this. By the end of this, or maybe not even by the end, maybe by tonight, but all through this series, what this does in this month as we just plunge into prayer, the poetry of prayer, is that your personal prayer life and our corporate prayer life as a church 
we would grow in an affection and in a desperation for the presence of God in such a way that it would be hard to yank you away from your devotional time in prayer. Like if someone told you, you can't pray today, that would be like torture to you. It'd be like telling you, you know, can breathe. Stop breathing. Like if someone said, don't pray, that's what it would feel like. Feel like. In principle, we agree with that. Right? Prayer is like air. It's like breathing. We, that's pretty. We, we in principle. But in practice, my big burden, my prayer, for those of us who are in this boat tonight, we're going to trudge through this together. That we would be honest. We, myself included, that when we read such a psalm like 27, it would kill us to think, I don't get that. I want that. But then, oh, to imagine. Can you imagine now? That as we study God's word and we let the, the Psalms just wash over us, that's how you're supposed to read poetry and songs. You just, you just take it. Just let it hit you. We're not a narrative anymore. Just kind of let it wash over you. But that a miraculous thing would happen to your soul where you'll come to find there's going to be a time when you read a Psalm like this, everything within you screams, yes and amen. That's my hope. That's my prayer. So tonight, we're going to hammer at one type of prayer. And it's the prayer of adoration. Prayer of adoration. So Psalm 27, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, you should open it up there. If you have a pew Bible, you use, I, I preach out of the ESV. That's page 460. But Psalm 27, we're just going to splash in. Okay. I'm going to spare you the details of like all the historical context and stuff about the Psalms and whatnot. That's not my, game, my, my, my aim tonight. It's let's get into this prayer, this song, this poetry. And tonight, I just want to bring these themes out. What happens when you and I start to learn the prayer of adoration? You ready? Yeah, I sense it. I feel it. I see it in your eyes. Most of you guys is like it. Just ready for charge. I love it. You guys look hungry. Thank you, Jesus. God be with us. Let us delight in this. Teach us to pray. Amen. Verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I'm going to read to verse 3. Whom shall I fear? Lord's the stronghold of my life. Who shall, whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me and eat up my flesh, adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Verse 3. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear war against me. I'll be confident. Look at that first phrase, the Lord. But look at what he does, the psalmist. He says, the Lord is. Do what he's doing? He's starting off to focus on the attributes of God, of who God is. This is who the Lord is. That's how he starts in prayer, right? In our adoration, much of it is just staring at him. What do you see? David, the psalmist says, this is who the Lord is. This is his character trait. The first thing he says, I love it. Don't rush to the word. But first he says, the Lord is my. You see that? It's not a, the Lord's a light or the light. There's a possessiveness about this. I pray we would not be a people who just profess faith in the Lord, but we possess the Lord. He's my light. Lord's my light. Are you personally acquainted with the Lord in prayer? Is he your Lord? I love that. He's my, and then he says this, the first thing he says, he's light. This is not a, a tough one, but just think about it. Imagine if no more light, it'd be what? What would it be? You can be interactive. Dark, that's right. And if it's dark, you know can what? And if you know can see, walking through the dark is what? Difficult? What else? Huh? Dangerous? Confusing? Scary? So that's why when this psalmist who's adoring God, he says, the Lord is my light. He gives me clarity. He shines. He shines. He gives me guidance. Right? Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp, a light to my path. 
The Lord is my light. Have we forgotten? When's the last time you've just adored God for that very fact? That in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He came, became flesh. That Word was the light of men. When's the last time you and I just adored at the fact that you remember when Christ came and shined on you? You and I, lost souls in utter darkness, totally confused of who we are, where we're going, why we exist. The theme of tonight, I want to press into you. When's the last time you adored that truth? Adore it. And you said, you're my light. You're here tonight. You might feel confused, frustrated, scared of where you're at in life. Is that you tonight? Well, here's what God's word says. The Lord is your light. He's your guide. Have we forgotten? Do you have light this evening? Or are you in the dark? If you're in the darkness tonight and not clear on who you are and where you're going, I'm begging you, along with Paul in Ephesians 5, wake up. Wake up, O sleeper, and Christ will shine on you. When you look at the Christmas lights this month and you see them sparkling, remember the Lord is your light. And that light shines in the darkness. Just adore them. He keeps going on. Let's keep going or else we'll be here forever. The Lord is my light. And, and look, at he says it again. My, you see what he's doing? This is my God, my Lord. I love this. Light and my salvation. That's not a hard one to get, right? He keeps me safe. And he saved me. Church, come on. We've just preached through Acts. How did he save you? How did he save you? By whom, what means? That's right. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came, lived, died, didn't stay dead. He rose. When's the last time you adored him for saving you, for saving us? I'm sure when David's penning this, he's reliving all the moments in his journey where God came through and saved him by faith in him. My light, my salvation. Here's a big thing. Look at the result of just adoring the Lord as light and salvation. What does he say in the next breath? Whom shall I fear? Yare. Who, who shall I fear? Who's to be scared of? Later when he says afraid, that's another Hebrew word, pakad. That, it takes it up a step level. It's a fear that trembles. It's dread. It's a fear that causes the body to shiver and shake. You ever been there? But look at what the psalmist is doing. The Lord's my light. The Lord's my salvation. He's the stronghold. He's my protection. He's my refuge, my fortress. That's what a stronghold is. And then he puts scenarios in. Even if evildoers assail me, even if adversaries, foes, I've looked back on my life, and every time there was a problem, an intense, an intense situation that looked really bad, the Lord came through. They're the ones who fell. This is what's happening in the prayer of adoration. First point, prayer of adoration renews our, because then he says later, yet I will be what? Confident. Point one, prayer of adoration renews our confidence in the Lord. See, what the psalmist is trying to paint and teach us here is when you start to stare at who your Lord is, who our Christ is, and how big and how powerful and what he has already done in your life, when you stare at him, it doesn't matter what, how in, incredibly intense the circumstance you're in is. It doesn't matter how tough or how bad or whatever it is that's overwhelming you tonight. You could be facing the most intense oppositions and struggles you've ever faced in your life tonight. But as a result of learning the prayer of adoration, recalling to your mind that he's light, he's salvation, guarantee this is what happens. 
fear gone. Confidence in Jesus all the way through the week. See, guys, right at the outset, this is why this is such an awesome prayer language that you must learn to tap into. See, the children of God, us, we're not supposed to be shrinking back in fear. We're supposed to be able to say with absolute truth and confidence, whom shall I fear? No scan. But, if, but, but those moments do come, right? We are scared. Tonight, you are afraid. There are circumstances in your life that do cause you to tremble, whether that's lack of your health, your joblessness, the drama at home with your family, or the issue at work with him or her, or your closest friend. There's a problem. There's, there's, a, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. There could be a whole army of, of issues right now in your mind that is just flooding you and causing you to trip. My plea Learn prayer of adoration. Stare past all those things into the eyes of your Savior and recall to your mind, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Press into that until finally your heart says, Whom shall I fear? Prayer of adoration, man. I love that he even... Um, When he says, my heart, you see that? Shall not fear. I love Hebrew. Greek and Hebrew are very, very different. But I love this Hebrew word because it's not just heart. It's, it says my inner chest. It says my middle man. That's kind of cool, yeah? But like, every, like just like this. That, and it encompasses, let me read it to you out of the lexicon. The heart, mind, soul, spirit, self, will. All of that. All of that is heart, what he says here. My heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit, my will. It's all the very, and I'm reading it out of it, the various aspects of the feelings and thoughts and, vol and volition. All of that middle here. It's that inner man. It's the core of who you are. When you learn the prayer of adoration, the very core of your being becomes confident. Who does not need to hear this tonight? Paul, oh, to have a renewed confidence in the Lord Jesus in the face of evil. That's power. That's who we are as Christians. That's what we miss out on when all we know is to pray, thank you, or all we know is to pray, but to adore. See, Paul picks up on this train of thought that the psalmist is on, and he's marveling at the thought of the Lord's salvation from sin and all suffering, and he, and he realizes this, and he pens it out in Romans 8. If God's for us. What does he say after? Who can be against us? You see that? Do you feel that? If there's anyone who knows how to adore the Lord, the Apostle Paul, read his letters. He can't help himself but just spit bars and bars and bars of how awesome the Lord is and how beautiful his salvation is. And he's the one who says things like, hey, if God is for us, who could be against us? That's the confidence we can have. My son at night, he gets afraid. That's typical for everyone, right? But he's trying to learn how to sleep in his bed by himself. And he always runs out again and again and again. And he's, he walks out with his head down. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And we, you know, we rehearse, like, what do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you're scared? And he you know, pray, saying, well, what do you pray? And and I'm and it's cool because we're praying over him. We're praying for him to just like, okay, um, if God's a God be near, God is here. Take away all my fear. Amen. That's the prayer. But we just want him to be awakened to the very presence. Like, can you imagine if he starts to realize the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God is right there with him in his room? Just the other day, I saw him at the, he was looking at the TV and there was like a spooky thing going on. And he's like, spooky, spooky. And he comes back and he's like, God is bigger. He's the biggest ghost. You know, you know, he's the Holy Ghost. So he's the Holy Ghost, you know. But you kind of see like the, the strength in his eyes. And I'm like, 
Yes, man. And I empathize so much with that because every night he's afraid at least 20, 30 times. And we don't, and the solution's the same, but by God's grace, when he continues to adore and recognize who God is, he will face fear. We will face fear, church. He's our light. Our light. Not, if you're in your prayer life and you look around and you're like, he's, he's his, his light, her light. No, I want you to be like, don't be my light, my salvation. You got to own it. We need to own it. Prayer of adoration does not work if it's not personal. Let's keep going. Verse 4. I love it. One thing I ask. I'm a simple brother. I'm thankful for the word one. Not two. Not three. You know what's crazy is David, this is not probably the one prayer request David. I mean, David's probably asked for tons of things. But, you know, if you were to sum up his prayer life. If I were to just read through all your journal entries or just listen to a recording, if there is such a thing, of all your prayers that you have uttered. Can you imagine in heaven they have that? All your prayers on record. Remember this one? Okay, cool. But if you were to just, if I were to listen or read, would the sum of our prayer life be, would my prayer life be, would it culminate to this one thing I have asked? What's the one thing you ask? And then he says that I'll seek after. What's the one thing you seek after? This is a powerful word, seek, bakash. It's a seeking, desiring to discover and to find. It's the way you are when you misplace your keys. Anyone see my keys? Or your phone? You see my phone? All of a sudden, you can't find it. Everyone in the room just disappears. Unless they say, oh, it's over here. You're just like, going. Like, that's the word. It's, it's an intense seeking after with a single eye. It's when a young man Notices a young woman. I must know her name. <laughs> and he inquires, but then he doesn't just ask. He maneuvers to bump it. Oh, hey, I didn't even. I'm. I'm. What is that? It's a see. It's a. It's a seeking after. It's the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. The woman who's diligently looking for the coin. The same word with the father sees the prodigal coming home. He gets off runs. It's that type of an intensity when he says, one thing I ask, that will I seek after. It's the way Paul says, the one thing I do. I got to forget all what's behind me and press on towards the, the reward, which is Christ. Paul's got a lot to forget. We just studied his life, right? He's got a lot of baggage, a lot. You think you got baggage? Look at Paul's life persecutor, murderer of Christians and all the pride and arrogance that he's got to leave. Like all that I hate. One thing I do, I forget it and I press. It's the one thing that Mary did. There's a ton of other stuff that Mary needed to do in the house with Martha. This is Luke 10, right? And what did she do? She dropped everything and sat at the Lord's feet, the closest place to his presence. Family, are we a one thing people? To learn the prayer of adoration, you have to learn this art to make life all about one simple thing, you and him. We come to God day in and day out, and you think of your mornings right now. You've got a trillion things on your mind and a trillion things you want. My hope and prayers it would be simplified tonight. One thing I ask, and this will I seek after. I love it, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, Yashab, to live, to abide. I just want to stay here. I just want this, just be here. In your devotion time, you antsy to get out of there? You in a rush? Is your prayer life a devo to go? And then bang, bang, bang. It's Christmas. Ready to go. One thing. 
This is what I seek. I just want to dwell. Just be. Where? The house. The house. What does that mean? It's where the, it's his home. This is home. This is the psalmist's home, the presence of God. Now, I don't think David was thinking, I'm just going to pitch my tent at the tabernacle. The priest got a place at the tabernacle, and it's kind of crazy for a king to say, oh, I'd rather switch places with them. But guys, who is our great tabernacle? Who tabernacled among us? John chapter 1, Jesus. That's home, right? Isn't it? When you pause and you get into prayer and you look up and you look at the gospel and you look at who you are and what he's done for you, oh man, are you home? Are we home? Like in that moment, it could even be 10 seconds, but oh, finally I'm here. These are some of the most amazing prayer times I've had, even though they were short. It was like I was in the presence of God and it felt like a thousand years. Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I speaking a foreign language? Perhaps you don't know the prayer of adoration. Listen to how he, he talks. All the days of my life. It's all day, baby. <laughs> I do this all day. That's the psalmist's heart. And then here we go. I want to I wanna pay attention and stay, stick around here a little bit. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire of temple. To gaze. Kazah. That's a cool word. It's to see and perceive and behold. But here, let me read it to you out of the, the dictionary, the, the, the Hebrew dictionary. To choose and select and prefer an object over another. Let me read that again. To choose and prefer an object over another that's that's when you know you're gazing because there's a ton of other objects you could look at like right now i'm in this room with you and there's a bunch there's a hundred hundreds of things i can look at if i'm going to gaze at something i need to select that one thing over all other things that are that are clawing for my attention that's crazy right see in our in our prayer time you know you're in a gaze when it's like there could be a thousand things around you, phone, TV, this, that, a thousand distractions in your mind, a thousand things in your heart that is challenging and, and clawing for, no, come here, come here. I want you. Come, give me your affection. And you're just so in tune with the one thing, the one person, the one object of your obsession. And you're gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. so beautiful about the Lord. We don't have enough time to talk about the beauty of the Lord. But let's just read a little bit of what he, what the psalmist himself points out that is so beautiful and captivating. He'll hide me in his shelter. He'll conceal me under his cover. He'll lift me high upon a rock. He's my salvation. He's my light. He's my hider. He protects me. He's my protection. He's my deliverer. He's my hero. He's the one I've been waiting for. Guys, when's the last time you gazed upon the beauty of the Lord? And this is why there's nothing as stunningly beautiful as the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It can't get old. That news will never get old. But then it's and then some. There's so much in my life that I'm so undeserved of. Romans 8, if he did not spare his only son, how he's graciously given us all these other things. There's so much to be, like you could seriously, if you get into a prayer of adoration and you start to count the blessings that God has bestowed upon you in your life, you will be caught up. And it will be hard to get your attention. And you know what Satan wants to do? To, to, to do everything he possibly can to keep you from gazing. He don't mind if you take a glimpse. Is your prayer a glimpse? I, 
It's like, whoo, and then back to what you think is reality. I hope our prayer lives is not a glimpse, but a gaze. Here's the second point. A prayer of adoration, it stirs our affections for the Lord. You see that? First, it renews our confidence, but then look, it's, it's, it's stirring our affections. And look, he even says in verse 8, you have said, seek my face. And then he says, my heart, my heart says of you, your face, Lord, do I seek. You see the terms he's using, this, this, this psalmist? Gaze, my heart, these are the affections. The Lord is saying, come on, man, I want you. Come after me. And this is what the psalmist says, I want you too. He's saying, come fellowship with me. And his heart is saying, I'm there. He's saying, I love you. And the psalmist is saying, I love you too. Is that us? See, when we learn the prayer of adoration, what happens to you and I is there's a stirring of our affection. You don't got to tell me to pray twice. You don't got to tell me to read more. And it gets better. As we keep going, the, the affections continue to arise. He says, I'll sacrifice with shouts of joy. How's that one? When's the last time you served with a shout, with a shout of joy? I have. There's been times in my study, I'm reading a word. I'm thinking of what to do. for, And I just can't help. I just want to shout. Ask the church staff here. They know. There's a reason I blast my music in my study. Because honestly, man, there's, there's no library voices in my study when I'm in there. It's so like, there's honestly, there's times I feel like I got to hold back. Because I don't want to disturb the neighbors. I'm not exaggerating. There's times in my study. There's my Bible. Something's clicking. And I'm like, <laughs> I just like getting hyped. I'm like, holy. This is so, you know, I just, I'm so like shouts of joy. Like, I just watched one clip of the FIFA World Cup and I'm looking at all the fans. I'm like, you should see how I worship cause when I'm alone. You guys think you can get loud? All that face pain and stuff. You think you can get loud? You know, like, seriously, if you were to see me when I'm alone, maniac. Rolling on the floor. It's the Lord. See, I know, I know I might be kind of a interesting issue. I mean, because our emotions, you know, we want to be careful that this is not sensational. There's a, we're not being overcome by emotion. There's no manipulation to raise my hands and scream and shout. But guys, when you pray in adoration and your eyes are open to how magnificent the Lord is, I personally know him. He's my light, my salvation, confidence through the roof, and I can't help it. I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to make some noise because he's worthy of praise. And you know what's crazy? There's so much power in praise that when I walk out of my study, it's not like just a, I had an emotional moment. If you're the next person that bumps into me after my devotional times, you can get it all. You can get loved like nobody's business. But it's not because of anything of who I am. That's just not, I'm not naturally like that. I'm coming out of the presence of God. This is who we are to be. This is what we can taste. This is what the Lord says, come, seek my face. Oh, I pray our hearts are yes, I will seek. If there's any hearts in this room that you're starting to, to bubble up with affection, for Jesus to get alone right now. God's at work in you. Spirit speaking to you. Come seek my face. And your heart is saying, now, let's go. I'm coming. When can we get away? Luke 5, 16. Why does it say Jesus often withdrew, often slipped away to lonely places to pray? I don't think it was just to get his next duty in order and chores for the, I don't, I think it was, he was so affectionate for his father. He hated the thought of being separated from the father. Well, he says, father, why have you forsaken me? I just won't be near you. See, this is a part of prayer that I think many of us, perhaps you may have never tasted before. 
It's not emotionalism. It's faith expressing itself in love. Because let me ask you this. Have you ever showed affection for anything else more undignified than what I've just described? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've sung loud with your jams, right? Or whatever, you just feel in a moment, just like, yeah. And you express yourself, all that adoration for him or her or this or that, or whatever celebrity you're in at the time. Guys, it's just stuff and people. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. Adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come. Let us adore. Verse 9. Hide not your face. Turn not away. Cast me not off. Forsake me not. You see what's happening to the psalmist? As he continues to adore, there's this sense of like, I just never want to be apart from you. Please. Please keep me here. Don't, don't turn away in anger. Don't cast me. Don't. Don't. I don't want to lose this. Forsake me not. Oh, God. I, David, a man who was very sinful. You know David's life if you know it. Murderer, adulterer, coward. The list goes on. He knows what it's like to, in his sin, be and feel separated from God. You know that? I know that full well. I hate it. I hate feeling distant from God. How are we brought near, church? The blood, the atonement, the cross, the beautiful cross. He's our light, our salvation. And as you draw near, you please keep me. Keep me here. Verse 10, my father and my mother have forsaken now. It's not saying that they did, if you look at David's life, but he's like, if my father or my mother, if these closest, even the closest people in my life, if they've forsaken me, here I know this about the Lord, he ain't going to forsake me. Then he says in verse 11, teach me, lead me. Here's what prayer of adoration does. It produces a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness to be right with God. I pull that straight from Matthew. A hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 5, verse 6. He says, teach me, lead me. I love that type of prayer. Teach me your ways. I'm done with my way. Show me. It's a word of like literally, show me. Show me how, show me how to do this. Show me how it is. The way Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm going to show you. See, when we learn the prayer of adoration, what's going to happen? You're going to be so stunned and confident in your Lord. Your affections are going to be like through the, you, you didn't even know you had affections just coming out. And you actually want him. You actually like it. I don't know about you. You ever, you remember the moment? I remember the moment when I first actually liked reading my Bible. Like it was a trip. I was like, what's happening to me? Like I don't even like English. I've never read a book cover to cover in all of grade school. And I'm sitting there in middle school just like, um, Chris Morales, what are you going to do for your reading log? Uh, the Bible? Yeah. It's just like, okay. And I was like, yeah. And then I remember just actually reading it like, and liking it. I was like, wanting it. I was like, what's happening to me? Where's that? Help? And then those affections start to grow. And then you start to want to learn. You hunger for him. Teach, show me. What I love about this group here, and, and many in our church, but especially you who I, you know, I interacted a little bit more is I love it when my phone gets blown off the hook because you have Bible questions. What verse is that? What, is it? Oh, what does this word mean? And I'm just like, dude, that's cool. Who's the nerd now? You know? But that's what adoration does. It produces this hunger and thirst for righteousness. Don't you love it? Let's bring this to a close. A few more nuggets. Verse 12, give me not the will of my adversaries for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Verse 13, I believe. I believe I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe 
prayer of adoration strengthens your faith in the Lord. Are you struggling with your trust in him tonight? Maybe before you walked into the room tonight, your faith was a little shaky. Learn to pray the prayer of adoration. Confidence will rise. Affections will bubble up and faith will be strengthened. The psalmist now comes to a place. I believe this. I'm going to look upon the goodness of the Lord. And in the land of the living, the land of the living, not the land of the dead. We are living right now in the land of the dead dying people. There's a new city, a new Jerusalem, a celestial city, a Zion, a land of living that I know with all my heart, all my confidence in Christ, when I my last, I'll look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. Death don't scare me. Does it scare you tonight? Seriously. Brother, sister, friend, and I'm pleading with you, come to Christ, come to the cross, and learn the prayer of adoration. Be strong in the Lord. Take heart, pilgrim. You're going to get there. And in closing, verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. This might be a big one. I'm going to say little about it, but it might be a big one. Because waiting is hard, ain't it? All of us waiting for something. Ultimately, that climax is in us waiting for the Lord. But here's a, here's a big insight and key that I hope you, you take and unlock. You're having a hard time waiting. And struggling to wait on him. Learn the prayer of adoration because it makes you courageous as you wait for the Lord. Okay, he says it twice. Wait for the Lord. You're going to need some strength, so be strong. And yeah, your heart can get faint, so take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is all ripple, spillover effect of him being the man. One thing I ask, this is what I see. I just want to gaze. I won't be. This is a tough one probably for many of us because God just has never really had your affection. Like he's never had your heart. But guys, that's the very essence of what Christianity is. It's a romance. It's not religious obligation. If, if you come into our church as a member of our church or a visitor of our church and you start to just grow in your understanding of the Bible, but you're not moved at all. I'm going to plead for you to examine if Christ is even in you. Because that's not what he came to do. He did not come to make religious robots. And this is your religious duty that you must carry out. And as if God is not enjoyable. He's a delight. He's the best. He's so fun. He's so good. That's the gospel we preach. That he's our greatest joy. You know, you know it's a crazy thing to think? You know, you know, my son, he's always saying, like, too much chocolate, no good, right? So we're, we're, we're teaching him, like, too much of anything is not good for you. But then I'll tell him, only God. That, that's the only thing that doesn't apply to you. You can never have too much of God. You have a lot of affections, and you have a lot of things in your soul that you crave, and that's how God made you. He made you to want to be happy. He made you to want to enjoy and have fun and be so stoked. He made you to be like that. We're all creatures of pleasure. We want pleasure. It's not a bad thing. It's how you're wired. It's just all our paths to pleasures is off. And we're all confused and thinking this will actually fill that puka when it's just the Lord God. So here's the thing. Enjoy the Lord. Adore him. You can never do it too much. I can never get too excessive with how I enjoy Jesus. And the more I enjoy him in the short years I've been on this planet, I think to myself, there's been many times I've uttered in my prayer, does it really get better than this, Father? I'm so at peace right now. 
I'm not striving, I'm not wanting anything else. I'm not using anything. To, I just I just want to stay here. I want to be content like this. Does it is really is this is does it can you get better than this? That's why Paul says, you know, godliness, godliness with contentment, that's a great thing. If you got that, you score. That's what I want. If you want to tap into that, learn the prayer of adoration. Next week, we're going to look at the prayer of confession. And then thanksgiving. And supplication. And then lamentation. But for tonight, as we close, I just want to turn it over to you right now. And our, do we have a song that we're closing? Okay. As, as they get ready to come up, this is what I want to do. We, we may do this later in the series. We may do it together, but not tonight. Tonight, I just want you to sit in the, a, a, a personal corporate prayer. Corporate in that we're all together. But I want you to personally right now adore the Lord. I just want you to pray, the, just, just recall the attributes of who he is. Every, to the best of your ability. You know, use the alphabet if you need help. That's what I do a lot. A, you're this. Awesome. B, you're beautiful. C, you're, you know, whatever it is. But just right now, just allow your heart to adore him. If there's ever a time you want to practice the prayer of adoration, and praise team, you can go ahead and get yourself ready um, so we can sing, like kind of practice this. But if, you, if there's ever a time at church you want to really like grow in your prayer of adoration, do it in the time of song. Do it in the time of praise. So he says, you know, I'll, I, will, I sacrifice with shouts of joy. And then he says, I will sing and make melody. Oh, my gosh. I kind of breezed by that because I think I, 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 I would have got stuck there too long. I, I could preach all day on singing. But I'm so thankful that God made song, right? Can you imagine life without music? Holy moly. It would be strange. But if there's ever a time you want to grow in your prayer of adoration, do it when we're corporately. On Sunday, I love it. I, when everyone's singing, singing a chorus, that's my time. I just pour my heart out. And I just adore him. I let the church sing over me. And I listen to those truths that they're singing, whether it's great is thy faithfulness or, you know, wh whatever it is. It just, and, and I just adore him. You know what adoration, singing, and making melody in your heart does? Is it sensitizes your soul. I wonder if in this place, in your prayer life, it's been so dry, it's been so dull, been so lifeless, emotionless, affectionless. Then tonight's word is for you, really. Learn to adore him. And let's adore him together. And so as I pray and close this, um, all right, I turn it over to Trev. Right now, um, I'll lead us in a time of prayer, and we'll let Trevor then just sing us out. But I hope and pray that tonight, what begins in your heart, is a true, lasting prayer of adoration. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being real, for being worthy of our affection. We pray that as we sing our way out, that you would solidify in our hearts prayers of adoration. And so, Trevor, just give us about 30 seconds right now in your soul in your inner man, your middle man, in your heart of hearts. No one else is here. One thing, one single eye. You personally let your soul go to the Lord and adore him. Acknowledge who he is and what he's done. Just stare at him, gaze at him.
send your prayers to the Lord, for he is good and he is faithful. God bless you all. Enjoy this time of fellowship. Amen.